0: A lot of people don't understand friendship they they automatically use the word just in front of friends a lot and that troubles me because my closest relationships outside of my family are friendships and they matter quite a lot to me they're not traditional partnerships but some asexual people do have romantic attractions i also am aromantic so i'm not romantically attracted to anyone either but i mean i have a pretty typical capacity for love it's just not romantic not romantic. and not sexual well
1: hello there welcome to another edition of the Modern Pleasure Podcast hi Dr. Jenny Schuyler hi Kim Kaplan I am really fascinated by this Topic have been for a while and I, I want to know more about it. So I searched um, and found Julie Sandra Decker, who has been a voice for the asexual community like since 1998. I mean, a while. Um, she's also the author of the book, The Invisible Orientation, which is a great uh, asexuality book for people um, that probably don't understand it at all. So it's you know it's basically you know the, the your guide to asexuality. Um, she's been all over the place. She's been in all kinds of uh, interviews. Uh, she's had articles posted in every single publication you can think of, and. She was actually a part of a documentary called Asexual, which I want to find out more about, too. So please welcome Julie Sandra Decker to the Modern Pleasure Podcast. Hi, Julie. How are you?
0: Hey, y'all. I'm doing all right. Good, good, good. Thanks for joining
1: us. Yeah. All right. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm just going to kind of just start out by saying I I feel like there's a fine line between asexuality and just somebody who's not interested in sex because of circumstances or, you know, because there's times, honestly, and I'm not trying to diminish this at all. I'm literally wondering how, you know, because as somebody who's been married for a long time or I'm going to just go, I'm going to say. That I know somebody who has been married, who's been in relationships, who has no interest in sex at all, but still finds people attractive and i think you know is there so she was saying something like i just think i'm asexual because i don't care about sex and i'm like i don't think that's it but i know a lot of women who are like why aren't i interested in sex anymore and so i think this is going to be a really fascinating conversation to really dig deep into what asexuality really is what is the definition of asexual
0: The most common definition that people use is an asexual person is someone who doesn't experience sexual attraction. We have branched out into accepting other definitions and supporting just basically if you find that to be a useful thing to call yourself for any reason, uh, then you may want to look into asexuality and the community and see which parts of it apply to you. Maybe you're somewhere on the spectrum. Uh, Lack of interest in sex is sometimes part of it but it is not typically the only definition. Uh, Mostly it's about the sexual attraction. Uh, And if you don't experience sexual attraction or you experience sexual attraction like less normatively, you may be on the spectrum.
2: Julie, to follow up with that, you know, when I think of orientation, I think about our identity and Mm -hmm. it being a more mostly fixed thing. Um, So I'm curious about the spectrum of fixed and fluidity when it comes to this. And can people that maybe like Kim saying with her friends actually truly feel the identity and orientation of asexual at a period in their time and then migrate and have a fluid experience into a different part of their identity later in terms of the asexual spectrum?
0: I think everybody has the capacity to possibly be fluid later in their lives, earlier in their lives, whatever. Y- you will see some population of basically every orientation that may realize they didn't always know everything there ever was to their orientation, or they may change. We can all possibly change at a time in our lives when we were felt very sure. But mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that at the time that you identified as something else that it wasn't true or it wasn't everything you were. It's just, we figure out more about ourselves and then we find words that match that. So Mm -hmm. uh, I do hear people talk about thinking that they may have become asexual after not being asexual. Mm -hmm. And we're not really here to police that. I mean, if you find Mm -hmm. it to be a useful thing to say, this is how I'm feeling now, we're not so much about uh it has to be a specific why that explains it it's it's more about the what so if this word makes sense to you and is useful in your life then you should use it yeah hmm. that's really interesting yeah, thank i mean you. what about for you i, I was going to just follow up with julie around
2: when she understood it to be the right word for her
0: well it was more like for a long time there just wasn't anything for me just At the time that everybody else starts being like, I am attracted to that person or this type of people, there was nothing going on for me. And I didn't have a lot of feelings about it like most people in my community report having had. A lot of people felt disappointed or scared or confused or felt like they had to fake it or hide it. I had less of that. I think that I was maybe a little atypical and maybe that's how come I ended up blurting all over the internet, hey, I don't want sex. That's not weird. (laughs) But uh, a lot of people do experience a lot of shame or confusion or worry that there's something physically or mentally wrong with them if they're not developing a typical sexual interest in anyone. Uh, But for me, I first started putting words to it, I guess, when I was probably only about 15. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, by that point, people had been deciding who was hot for years you know you're a teenager and you're already thinking about you know who I want to be my boyfriend my partner who I'm going to grow up and marry or which movie stars I like and I didn't I didn't really just think any of that stuff was interesting I found it boring to read romance books and eventually I was just like yeah nobody else is really doing this. So there must be something going on. I'm just going to give it a name. I called myself non-sexual for a while until the asexual community kind of settled on this term. And then I started adopting that.
2: How interesting. Can I ask a little more about that development and, sure. and how maybe your parent, did you reveal this to your parents? Were they supportive? Were they confused? Um, how did that play out growing up? Cause it seems like a really young age to, understand this about yourself, but this is Mm -hmm. the age that people understand their sexuality. So that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's definitely easier if you have a more present sexual orientation where you're like you're experiencing an attraction lack of one is not as easy to nail down as you might imagine Yeah. so yeah. some people would caution against trying to label yourself too early but I don't think labels are dangerous I think they help us communicate and if you find early in your life that hey you know I'm not experiencing any attraction to anyone maybe I'm asexual and then later you discover that's not the whole story or it's not right at all that's fine you can just choose to change how you describe yourself, just like you would choose to change how you describe yourself if you dye your hair. So uh, for me, I didn't feel too strongly about needing a word for it so much as I I just described what was happening for, for me. And my parents didn't have a lot of reaction to it. I think they probably just assumed I was a late bloomer and I I did have a little bit of trouble with mainly my mom uh, because she was afraid that I just was lying or was, was telling her, I wasn't interested in anyone because I was embarrassed, but actually I was off sneaking off with people. You know, she, she asked, she would ask me some questions or she would claim to know that I was sleeping with people and I was not, but I think eventually she settled down and realized, okay, she, she's not embarrassed. She's not embarrassed about anything else in her life. So why would she be embarrassed about this? Especially since my mom was a very open about sex person. Okay. And I mean, she was she gave me condoms if I went out you know just she would have been willing to accept it if I was sleeping with people so it just it it wouldn't have been a big deal uh, to tell her anything about my sexuality but there just was nothing to tell and she I think she found that a little bit disturbing or suspicious she just thought I was being a typical teenager and not wanting to talk to my mom about it but you know my mom was my mom. She was, you know, <laughs> she was, she would have been a safe person to talk to about sex if I was having any. Yeah. Uh, uh, but my, I have two younger sisters and, you know, my, my two parents, I was raised in the same house with all of them. And I, I didn't really start putting a term to it until I was sometime somewhere in college, I guess I started, uh, uh, doing more activism writing about it more and i guess i started using words about it when i would talk to my family about my relationships or lack thereof but um i never really had a traditional like coming out like some people do so
1: okay. so how personal can, can we get here because i've got i've got questions but i don't want to um you know
0: i mean Well, you can talk to me about any issues that you want to talk about. We can at least give it a shot and I'll let you know where the line (laughs) is. If, you know, I can generally, if somebody wants to talk about something that I don't want to talk about my personal experience, I can at least answer in the general for you. Okay.
1: well, Mike, I'm curious to know if you've ever had an attraction to anybody ever in your life or if you've ever had experienced sex at all.
0: No, I have not. Um, I have had very strong feelings for other people, but it's all friendship flavored, (laughs) which is not a lesser feeling. I think a lot of people don't understand friendship. They, they automatically use the word just in front of friends a lot. And that troubles me because my closest relationships outside of my family are friendships and they matter quite a lot to me they're not traditional partnerships but some asexual people do have romantic attractions i also am aromantic so i'm not romantically attracted to anyone either but i mean i have a pretty typical capacity for love it's just not romantic not romantic and not sexual Yeah. Yeah. And I I have not gone so far as to experiment with anyone all the way up to sex. I mean, I've been in some situations, had a couple of people that I dated in high school because it was their idea. And I had this uh, thing hanging over me like, you have to try something before you know if you like it, which has some legitimacy to it. But at the same time, with all of the dialogue about how many people, especially Cis women, you know, that a lot of us like the lead up and the foreplay and everything more than the sex act sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I didn't like any of that. I was like, it's not it's not going to just suddenly ha- turn into sex and then I'll go, oh, now I understand. Like, I nah, nah. Now, if I don't like the smell of what you're cooking, I'm not going to try to eat it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Um, So that's
0: where I am with that.
1: So I would be curious to know, you know, in terms of how you communicate, like, you know, you have these friendships. I'm assuming that these friendships are with men and women. Have you ever had anybody that is attracted to you in that manner and you've had to deal with that? type of relationship i would think that you would run into some complicated conversations which i think if somebody's listening and they're feeling like this might be something very relatable to them and and their experience um you know i think it would be really helpful to understand how you navigate through those situations because i'm sure it's awkward to say the least Kim, it might not be
2: all that different than somebody being attracted to you as a married woman, and you have to navigate that,
1: you know? Oh, well, that's, that makes it a little bit more easier, although I'm not going to admit that that's any easier for me. <laughs> sure, if we have an
2: unwanted, somebody having attraction for us that's unwanted, right? And I'm speaking for you, Julie, so I don't want to usurp your your, your place here, but I I know, you know, anything that's unwanted from another human, right, feels yucky, whether it's a gaze, whether it's a flirt, whether it's physical action, right? Like, if we don't want it, then it feels like a breach of our boundaries. It can be, it can feel like a violation. That's my experience when I don't want something from someone and it feels leaky and they don't respect my boundary. And they might not know the boundary
1: yeah well yeah and i and i think i'm basing my uh question on some of the conversations i've had with women who you know i think this is where that fine line is is that maybe they don't quite understand where they sit you know when it comes to um whether they you know want sex or or feel attracted to somebody or not but um when you were talking about how, you know, you feel love for certain people, just like I feel love for my friends, right? I mean, I'm assuming that everybody knows where you stand, so there isn't that. But but as a younger adult, as you're, you know, in college and all of that, I mean, did you find that you had to communicate your um, uh, attraction or lack thereof in the sense of being asexual or or however you labeled it at that time?
0: Yes. I have obviously had friends of all genders, and I did find that the ones that most likely led into miscommunications and confusing situations were usually with the men. Mm -hmm. And that is partly the fault of people not listening, and also partly because this overarching master narrative of what it is to be asexual is that it's a temporary state and well she'll grow out of that or I don't believe her or she just never had somebody like me I'm gonna change her mind there's a lot of that there's a lot of people who listen to the words but do not internalize them and of course these are people that I can't have long-term relationships Mm. with if they won't listen to me I mean I'm not shy about this I will discuss it at you know, at any point that it is possible for it to come up, it most likely will because relationships and sex, especially to younger adults, like you said, tend to be pretty central in how we even communicate with each other. Uh, I think one of the big differences between somebody like me and somebody who is in an established relationship dealing with unwanted advances is that at least most people will respect that somebody is in a relationship and kind of say, oh, well, I guess that is a boundary that I will respect. Whereas someone like me that my no isn't justified with, I already have a partner. That person will say, "Mm, I don't believe that. No, I don't respect that. No, she's single. Therefore she's available. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that a lot. It's unfortunate. I've both tried to get better at communicating it and tried to sniff it out earlier in a relationship so that I don't waste time or frustrate other people. But there is not any kind of like thing that asexual people are trying to sneak around, not disclosing so that they can trap people in relationships and then just never give them sex. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen this many, 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 many times with people complaining about us. Like we're trying to keep a secret or we're trying to trap them into relationships. I mean, if you look at the, the, the comments on any of my youtube videos or even on my website my professional author website there are people in there saying yes but you owe them disclosure and i'm like what do you think i'm doing here i mean you found me while i'm disclosing what do you think this is i'm not do you think that I'm sneaking around in my personal relationships, just not telling men about these things? And of course then you get these people who are like, yeah, you're just trying to get a free lunch and you're trying to get him to buy you things. You're a gold digger. I'm literally never, ever, ever doing that. I have never done that in my life. And yet they think they know that this is the dynamic. And I mean, they're just a bunch of misogynists, but there are people who are not misogynists who think like that, who still think, uh, well, if she's single, though, you know, eventually I'm a really nice guy. She's going to fall in love with me. I'll be really nice to her. And no matter what she says, I'm still going to believe what movies and TV have told me. And she'll eventually fall for me. Like women don't, you know, this isn't just a female thing, but I think it is, is it is common for certain kinds of men to believe that women can be worn down into a yes on in many different kinds of consent. So yeah. They're, they're used to challenging us. They're used to just internalizing that we don't want to know what we want and what and turning what we want into what they want.
2: You know, Julie, I, I totally hear that and appreciate everything you're saying. Um, I also wonder if there's another dynamic at play that is genderless, meaning that <laughs> as humans, we really, a lot of humans deeply want to feel desired. And I don't mean necessarily sexually desired, but the idea that I am special enough that I can change that person. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. You see this in affairs a lot, right? Like I am the one that this person will compromise their marriage for. Mm-hmm. Right? I am special enough that they will sabotage their marriage and and have an affair with me, right? That desire to feel special. Yes. And that that comes from like our childhood, right? If our parents didn't make us feel special or loved, Mm -hmm. then it's a hole that shows up in these different ways. So when people say, I can change you, Julie, I'm going to be the one that makes you sexual, right? Like I think it probably comes from that place of like, I want to be special enough to be the one that's able to change you. But Mm -hmm. it is such a consent issue, as you're saying, because they're Mm -hmm. not hearing and respecting your boundary and where you're at.
0: I think it is really important that we do specify that it is a genderless thing to feel that. I mean, that's a very important point. I don't want to harp too much on men. It's just that as a person who is a cisgender woman who is asexual and perpetually seen as single, my experience in the world as a woman is inseparable from my life as an asexual person, I'm always both. And so there's always this intersection of, you know, possibly misogyny misogyny, sexism, and just ace phobia and queer phobia and things like that entitlement to women's bodies etc so even though there are things that are just asexuality related overall that we can talk about in the general my personal experience is always going to be kind of tied up in all of that so it's it's not possible for me to speak from experience about what it's like to be an asexual man or an asexual non-binary person um You know, it's it's very it's very tempting, I think, sometimes for people to say, well, all of these things that have happened to you are that's just sexism or that's just misogyny. It's not ace phobia because there's no such thing as like asexual specific phobia. That's not a thing. They're just doing this because you're a woman. But it's not it's not always it shouldn't always be seen as the least relevant part of my identity. Right. It's Mm, always going to I'm going to always be both things.
2: Sure. I do think there's acephobia. phobia. Yes. I mean, because <laughs> how I understand it and correct me if I'm wrong, but acephobia phobia shows up as a disbelief of asexuality um, or that it's um, you're only asexual because you've experienced sexual trauma or violations mm. and therefore sex is off limits and relationships are off limits because of your PTSD.
0: Yes. Is that correct to, uh, the phobia piece of that? Would you- I would say that's at least half of it. Uh, okay. The disbelief, which is part of the reason that my book is called The Invisible Orientation. They mm-hmm. can look right at us and not see it and never count it up when sexual diversity is being discussed. But there is also pe- the, the population that does very much believe in it, but hates it. <sighs>
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting.
0: So both. Just (laughs) like kind of all kinds of queer phobia. There are are people who think, well, being gay isn't real. We're all straight, but you're just messed up. And that's why you think you like Mm -hmm. sex with the same sex. But then there's also people who believe that being gay is very much a thing and also that it's horrible and we should hurt those people.
1: Yeah, um, I have a question just out of curiosity, and I don't know if you have the answer to this or not, but would you say that asexuality is more prominent in women than men, or do you have any idea about that?
0: Yes. um, We have been doing surveys for many years online, and I mean, it is skewed toward people who would take a survey about this online, so you're going to see... More internet users, more people in specific countries that use the internet more and have more access to it, and people who are younger. But uh from the data that we have, it would seem, interestingly enough, that there are the biggest categories women, the second biggest category is non-binary people, and the smallest category is men.
1: Mm. Mm. Do you think yeah. that stems from the fact that they just don't want to admit it or that they're not they don't want to talk about it?
0: From what I've heard from ace men. It's a combination of many things. I mean, you would obviously have to ask each individual man about Mm -hmm. his feelings, but the ones that have spoken to me about it, there's a combination of men often have like a more so like a social pressure to define themselves through sexual success. So if they don't absolutely hate sex or like can't bring themselves to have sex, if they can actually enjoy it or at least tolerate it, they probably won't even think that they're asexual. It would be embarrassing for some of them to be like this this aspect that's so woven into our understanding of masculinity is not part of their lives. Mm, yeah. They may not want to accept it or even see themselves that way, like as a sexless thing that it's, it's, it's worse for a lot of men to see themselves that way, I guess. Yeah. And then there's just less, I guess, discussion of emotions and uh, willingness to talk about that sort of thing on the internet and shame surrounding men who don't have sex for any reason and i guess also the worry that they might be mistaken for gay because a lot of times if you don't have this very strong uh like demonstrated attraction to women other guys will tease you that you're that you're gay and they'll mean it in a bad way Mm. so um interestingly also for ace men who are romantically attracted to other men sometimes there's this accusation of internalized homophobia that, well, you know, you're, you're gay, but you can't admit it. And it's like, you can be gay and ace, but you know, I've I've heard this from men who are in relationships with other men
1: and And they're they're they're
0: asexual.
1: How does that work? I mean, if you're that, that doesn't make any sense to me, which part, the part where if you're asexual, but you're in a relationship, um, if you're gay, what if I hear gay, you saying, Kim, yeah, and yeah. this is where I think there's a, there's a, a wire cross.
2: Let's tease apart lots of wires here. But just to reiterate what I think I'm, your question is, Kim, is how do you know you're gay? How do you know your sexual orientation is gay and yet you're also Asexual, ace? Yeah. How does that
0: coexist
2: is the question? Yes. Kim?
0: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the
1: question. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think, Romantic attraction can define whether you call yourself straight or gay or bisexual or whatever. We would maybe use the word biromantic if we were attracted to, you know, more than one gender. Um, but sometimes the romantic attraction is what we'll use to use like a shorthand. Someone might say they're heteroromantic. They might say they're... Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm aromantic, so I don't I'm not romantically attracted to anyone and I'm not sexually attracted to anyone. But this kind of split attraction model is it can be useful for people outside of the ACE community, but we've found a lot of use out of it because we are not able to use any of the existing scripts that you see about like of course if you fall in love with someone you'll also be sexually attracted to them and Mm -hmm. you'll also love being touched by them and you'll also love sex with them and you'll also think they're hot etc but there are kind of a lot of things about attraction that some of us are only experiencing some of them so maybe people who you know if you're if, if you're a woman and you're attracted to other women romantically but you're still not sexually attracted to them you may you may be you know, you may be a, a lesbian ace. I see. Um yeah. so. I think of The Godfather, the movie The Godfather. This is just a different
2: iteration <laughs> on all this, right? And he's like, I don't kiss her. That's the mother of my children. <laughs> right? Like and and that it's like I'm I'm romantically in this relationship with you. You're the mother of my children, right? But I don't have, <laughs> there's an ace quality of like, mm-hmm. I don't have sex. I mean, I guess there was sex to procreate. But mm-hmm. pro- Procreative sex, I think, is different than sex that's infused with sexual attraction. I have plenty of clients who have children who are asexual, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a willingness to have sex to procreate. Sometimes, family. Sure. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, totally, totally spectrum related. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. there's a willingness to have sex for procreation, but there isn't a sexual attraction underpinning it. Um, hmm.
0: Yeah, um, there's there's definitely some asexual people who may even say that they like sex. And, um, that tends to be very confusing for people who maybe haven't experienced it because they're like, why would you even bother to call yourself asexual if you like sex? But there is a difference between, you know, having sex, being willing to enjoy sex and being sexually attracted to the person. I mean, you, there are plenty of people who's like, you know what? I am horny today. It's not for anyone in particular, but I just want to have sex. Right. Or maybe I am not really in the mood, but I like you. And you know what? I get other things out of a sexual encounter with this person, you know, I, I like being close to them. I like seeing them being happy. Maybe this is not intrinsically what I would do to express my feelings, but I don't have a negative feeling about it. You know, so there's kind of sex neutral and sex uh, positive people. That's well, that's the wrong word. Sex positivity versus like sexual willingness. I don't want to make it out to be like, oh, this is something someone does as an obligation because they may genuinely enjoy doing that They're, I mean, there's many reasons to have sex besides I specifically find you to be hot and you're, you're making me want to do this. Just there, there are many, many, many reasons that people have sex and they don't even have to be asexual. So some of them are things that asexual people can experience and willingness to do this in a relationship is actually pretty common. Like there are compromises in these relationships. They, they're very individual. And one of the surveys that I saw um, there was a minority of asexual people who said that they liked sex, but a good, like, I think it was between 30 and 40% of them said that they would uh, be willing to have sex in a relationship.
2: Huh. There's such a spectrum and complexity that Julie's hitting on too around like um, you can be romantically interested in someone, but the desire to have sex is not there or the desire to have sex just as a blanket, like, Mm-hmm. um, horniness is there, but it's not targeted for an individual mm-hmm. or it's targeted towards self. Like, I, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of a particular couple I have and the, and she's asexual and he's not, and we've landed on and they're married. And, you know, part of the dynamic is she understood this of herself after the marriage. So he sort of feels like switch and bait kind of thing. So we have to work mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're willing to work through it. And so there is this exchange of energy where she enjoys back rubs mm-hmm. um, and doesn't mind intercourse, mm-hmm. right? But d- wouldn't want it otherwise. But doesn't mind it, so it's a gift. It's not an obligation. We're very clear to, to differentiate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a different person who does mind the intercourse, so it's just hand jobs.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so it's finding the the compromise of what each person's willing to give as a gift in that relationship. Um, But of this one couple I'm thinking of, when he asked her point blank, you know, do you self-pleasure? Do you masturbate? And she does. And it's like Mm -hmm. scratching an itch, right? And so this is the role of hormones (laughs) and urgency and horniness. Um, and untethering that from sexual attraction. So I think it gets really complicated. And people get really confused. That yes.
1: was where I was going was horny. what about mm-hmm. pleasure horny? I mean, it doesn't have to be with anybody mm-hmm. in particular or anything. Yeah, right? right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- that's kind of like a natural urge, right? <laughs> For know. some people. Yeah. But Kim, the last oh, yeah. time you self pleasure,
2: were you like, oh, you know, I'm going to think about so-and-so or is right. your body like I kind of want to scratch this itch?
1: It was I have to go to sleep.
0: Okay, what's going to
1: help me? <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I've heard people talk about like it doesn't make any sense if you were an asexual person but you you know, you might use a sex toy, you might masturbate and I mean the very easy response to that is, well, I mean, am I attracted to my shower head? No. <laughs> you know, it's like So, I mean, I've heard lots of people say that uh, there was this one ace guy who said, "Uh, what do I think about when I? I don't know. I'm thinking about furniture. I don't know." Like, <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, it's not that it's not that weird because I think a lot of people who have very sort of typical patterns of sexual attraction would say very similar things. They're not fantasizing about a specific person. They're just kind of enjoying it, and you you kind of find, I guess, the same percentages of people who um, who masturbate or who don't. Uh, in the ace community as well as the wider community. Yeah. Um, what, what, and I I, okay. I just want to make one comment about the, the sexual relationships in, like, a mixed orientation relationship as well, though, before we leave mm-hmm. the subject, uh, if we end up doing that. Uh, because we do sometimes have some issues with people saying, oh, well, if ace people can have sex in a relationship, then there's there's really no issue here. Like, they they'll compromise. Like, well... Some of us may actually have a like our our um, threshold is none. Like it's a deal breaker. If I have sex at all, it's not a thing. I cannot be in a relationship with someone that I that I have to have sex with. It's just you know not all of us will do that. Uh, a minority of us will do that, and mm-hmm. the emphasis that we sometimes have on yes, ace people can have sex is sometimes a little bit overblown compared to the number of people who actually are willing to do that. We just, we don't want to be interpreted as, you know, just people who can be talked into sex because not all of us like want that kind of thing happening or, you know, the people that do desire it don't see it that way as like, oh, I had to, I had to do something I don't want, like cleaning the house or getting my car serviced, you know, like not... Everybody has a different way of thinking about it. And there's already this societal push to be like, well, everybody needs to have sex to legitimize their relationship or else it's not a real relationship. So it kind of doesn't need any help. Like we, we, we just have to be a little bit careful about every time we say, yeah, ace people can have sex. It's much more nuanced than that. So I don't want to give the impression that any ace person who is in a relationship is automatically willing to make that compromise. Just, throwing that out there.
2: No, I really appreciate that differentiation. I want to just highlight the bias I'm coming from as a clinical sex therapist. Mm-hmm. I have a skewed sample. I, I don't mm-hmm. have people coming to me that are not struggling with this, right? You don't struggle with this. You're very clear who you are, where you stand in the world, what your boundaries are, right? I get people who <laughs> are like, "Oh shit, we <laughs> have to, f- you know, now we got to find a sex therapist because we have this 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 struggle." you know, in our relationship. So, you know, that's where I get people who all get married and then have this realization, right? Or Mm -hmm. I get high desire, low desire couples or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever the vanilla kink people, right? Like when there's a difference in the two humans that manifests after the relationship is developed, that's my sample. (laughs) That's what I get, right? So that's my skewed sample. I I agree that absolutely probably the majority of ace people are not the sample I'm seeing because they don't ever have to make their way to my office.
0: Hmm. Well, I hope that there are more, you know, people in the mental health field and in the sex therapist field who are having ACE clients or mixed orientation Medicine. clients that are educated on this subject because there is this, you know, b- both historical and current tendency to assume that the low desire partner is the problem. Oh, and yeah, just, that's a terrible oh, well,
2: mess.
0: Yes, it, exactly. I mean, if it's two people in a relationship, then they are each half of the relationship whose desires are just as important as each other. So I think that there's this tendency to assume that if one person doesn't want sex as much as the other one does, especially if it's a man who wants a lot and a woman who wants a little or none, that we have to find some way to bring up her sex drive or, you know, the low low desire person's sex drive, that it's a sex drive issue. Um and you know it's it's framed as this person is not fulfilling their obligation or isn't satisfying this other person and you never see it framed the other way which i will i will stress this is not how it should be framed either but Oh, this other partner is trying to get that person to have sex. They don't want all the time. Like you, you don't really hear it framed that way. You hear.
2: Well, high desire people get labeled sometimes as sex addicts and they want too right. much.
0: And yeah, low, you low
2: desire get framed as pathologized as what's wrong with you. And I think both terms are incorrect. Yes. I think if there's two humans trying to find a relationship in between it's compromise therapy. You just mm-hmm. in, this con- How do we both get our needs met so that we feel satisfied in the relationship and safe? so important and what does that look like right without apologizing either side yeah for sure well
1: I'll tell you what this has been a fascinating conversation tell us a little bit about your book
0: um yeah it uh, was a pretty fast draft but then I decided to kind of bring in a little bit of community feedback where I used some uh, quotes from asexual bloggers to make it a little more personal because it's not a personal book it's it's more of an overview you know it's mm. just Mm -hmm. This is what it is. These are the myths. This is how you deal Mm -hmm. with things. Here's a chapter for asexual people. And here's a chapter for people who know an asexual person and want to support them and understand them. So it's for everyone. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So it really does help anybody who might have questions or is dealing with somebody who identifies as asexual to understand and maybe to help communicate their you know, their misunderstandings or questions, too. That's really, really cool. I'm kind of curious about this documentary, too. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, was that something that you um, were asked to be a part of? And how did that all come about?
0: Yeah, I guess somebody uh, wanted to tell this story. There were, well, a group of somebodies. Uh, It was originally um, released by Arts Engine, the name of the company, and they did this nice little documentary. And they interviewed some kind of general people in the community as well as David J, who started the asexual visibility and education network, which was one of the earliest places that ACEs could congregate online. And, you know, he had some very big dreams about, uh, community and he was, that was the kind of personality that he always was is, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta get people to connect and redefine intimacy and learn about how they can all get their needs met, uh, outside of traditional scripts for it. Um, and i've i've known david online for a long time uh and i had started making i guess activism videos for youtube but at that point i don't think that many people really knew who i was or what i was doing so, But I guess they decided to bring me in there uh, mainly because I, I had this presence on YouTube for, uh, for my videos. This has been my a morning. very
1: enlightening conversation. Um, where can people find the book if they want to order it or read it?
0: Well, it's still in print, so um, anywhere that you would typically buy a, buy your books, you can look it up. Uh, the Invisible Orientation. You awesome. can go to my publisher's website, which is um, it was published by by uh, Skyhorse, and um, my website is juliesonderdecker.com, and so I have some purchase links there for people who may want to get it. At some of the other places that I list in um, it has also been translated into two languages, so oh, you know, get right. a Japanese cool. version and a French la- French version and I an audio. version on on audible awesome let me ask you one last question before we go if that's okay
2: um i always like to kind of end with this question if we have a moment what is something no one asks you but you wish they would
0: Mm, um you know i think i've been asked just about everything but (laughs) i think that we don't we kind of don't talk enough about the future of where things are going with the ace movement um and I wish I had some better answers for where I would like to see it, but I think uh, one of the questions we get uh, fairly frequently is, you know, what what rights are you even trying to get? What rights do you not have? And I think that uh, outside of the examples of institutional oppression that I mentioned, and and the tendency in maybe like mental health services and even you know with physical health sometimes there's this tendency to medicate or medicalize asexuality into a disorder um that as we move on from that we will all benefit ace and non-ace people from more representation in popular culture with celebrities kind of identifying shamelessly as asexual and seeing it in our media in our fiction we need to be included in those stories and not just as an afterthought so uh, you know i would i would like to uh, i would like to see more of that as we move forward into <laughs> a more ace friendly world
1: well i've actually mm-hmm. seen uh, a B- lgbtqa uh, on occasion yeah. and i'm like okay yeah, yeah.
0: so there's, yeah there's, yeah that's it's, a start right It is. It's unfortunate that some people insist that it stands for allies and not asexual people. (laughs) Like, what? Wait, they're part of the community, and we are not. Wait a minute, because a lot of ace people do identify as queer as well, or you know, even they can they can identify as queer based on you know either sharing one of the other letters or just on the basis of asexuality. That can be a queer orientation if someone wants to claim that. So, I mean, I do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for
1: taking the time and educating us uh, and uh, loved, loved hearing (laughs) more about, about this and about you and good luck with everything. And, uh, as always, we're glad that you joined us on this episode and we will catch you next time.